1: This podcast is sponsored by NordVPN, the virtual private network which allows fans to watch football games, films and TV shows that aren't available in your region. It even saves on travel costs, so if you're planning on travelling with the family or to watch the Amazon Europe, NordVPN allows you to purchase flights and hotels from different locations across the world and that will save you a few quid. Maybe you're a bit of a shady character and whatever you're up to, you want to give yourself the best possible chance of not getting caught. Whatever the scenario, NordVPN provide high-level protection for your data and personal information wherever you are in the world and boast the fastest virtual private network in the world, so no buffering and no lagging. So for less than a pint or a cup of coffee per month, you fans can watch all the games you want live from the comfort of your own sofa. Visit NoldvPN.com forward slash West Amway to get your exclusive discount plus four months free with a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's NoldVPN.com forward slash West Amway. Listening to the West Amway podcast with David X. Oi Oi! Hello and welcome to the West Way podcast with myself Dave Walker and XWH employee. We've enjoyed some decent results since the Newcastle battering, but last week wasn't a good one for the Ammers after two straight defeats has put us back in trouble with our next two games coming against Man City and Man United respectively. With only five Premier League games left, how worried should we be? Will our domestic form impact our confidence going into a European Cup semi final? And is Crystal Palace the biggest shithole in the top flight? We cover all that and more before getting news from X and answering questions from Patreons of the West Ham Way. I think it's fair to say it's been quite a deflating week for West Ham, one that seems to have put us back in trouble. Let's start with the Palace game. A poor performance from us on Saturday. What went wrong?
2: Um, defensively we were very good um, obviously a couple of goals are very avoidable checks where he lost the ball that one um, mm. in particular um, the other I think the first shot was decent but part of me thinks Fabianski could have done better um, and then uh, I can't remember what the other one was Zaha's yeah poor defending in that as well and then there was a soft penalty so I think defensively it was a poor soft penalty as well um, although uh, what people seem to have overlooked and I don't know if it would have happened necessarily, but people were moaning that the penalty was given. But literally, a second later... After that penalty instant, they scored from from the ball rebounding to the edge of the area, and it just wasn't given because the penalty was given. So I think they would have scored anyway, regardless of whether that penalty was given or not. Um, but it was yeah, just defensively poor, and then going forward, we didn't create anything other than from um, set pieces. So yeah, and both ends of the pitch were lacking, unfortunately, and I think there was a lot of fatigue probably crept in as well from the previous games. Obviously, the European venture. I mean, there was a statistic that we've played the fourth the most amount of games in the um so like the last four years or something like that, last five years, um because of all our European campaigns. Um, so that's had taken its toll, and you know Jurgen Klopp's been very vocal about twelve thirty kickers when he's have played in Europe. I think that was a factor as well, but yeah, just a bad day at the office, really.
1: I was going to ask you about that, actually, because I think the amount of games that we are cramming in when you look at Europe, it is a a kind of valid argument to expect some of the boys to be burnt out when they're playing against a team that doesn't have that commitment. So how much of that do you put down to that performance against Palace in terms of a percentage as a viable excuse?
2: I think, it's a, I think it's a viable excuse, definitely, because I think you could tell that the players um, weren't um, up to scratch. I mean, there's the argument with the benefit of hindsight that perhaps he should have rotated more, and, and people have been saying, why did he not rotate more? But actually, I, I think the squad he... I mean, obviously, I don't see them on the training ground, so I don't know how fatigued they were, but I think I would have tried to have gone with a similar squad to what he went with, purely because that's the one that's been performing. But I do, I do think... It's it does pay an impact, especially on squads like ours. I mean, you know, we are we are playing, like I said, to sort of like the fourth amount of games. There's not that much difference between us and the top teams. Um, um, and we've got a much weaker squad, not just in terms of, I mean, it's probably the best squad we've had in, in our history now, but compared to the top, top squads, it's not the same. And also, we always have lots of injuries to those players that aren't injured very often. Touchwood, you know, the likes of Declan Rice and Thomas Suchet and you know players of that um, of that sort of mode they they have to play pretty much every single game Gerard Bowen you know another and, uh, and I think it does take its toll it's not the complete reason we played like that you know I think we just didn't play particularly well anyway full stop and some of the defensive errors would have probably happened regardless of whether we played a game in midweek or not but I would say this is a definitely, definitely a credible argument and hard to put it in terms of percentages, but you know, I would say it's certainly more than 25% game on 50%, a decent excuse.
1: Well, I mean, excuses can and will be made for these players, but I think the problem we've got, X, is that we don't control games. Mm-hmm. So, in reverse order, right, in reverse order since the Newcastle game, our possession stats have been 40% against Crystal Palace, 27% against Liverpool Bournemouth despite winning 4-0 35% Arsenal 28% Fulham 23% even when we played Southampton at home Aside bottom of the league, we had less possession over 90 minutes. We don't control games, X. We sit back, we invite pressure, and we look to counter, and sometimes it works. But as the table shows you, most of the time it doesn't. And the frustrating thing about this for me is that we have the players to control games, but David Moyes doesn't know how to use them. I mean, you look at the likes of of Gary O'Neill, the work he's doing at Bournemouth with... Fucking hell, nothing compared to the players that Moyes has got under his disposal. You watch the likes of Brighton play. And and every attack has so much fluidity. It looks like it's genuinely been worked on and constructed on the training ground. But I watch West Ham and I just think we've thrown these fantastic players together and they're just expected to try and work it out on the day. And, and it's the control of games or the lack of it that just does my head in. And as I said to you in a recent podcast, the result isn't necessarily the only thing that matters in our position because of the style of play is not sustainable. And I've said before that we have a talented squad who at times will win games for David Moyes, but we can't keep getting away with this approach towards games. And we can't keep relying on other teams around us. Now, we know that you have more faith in David Moyes than I do but how worried are you at this point given the fact that we've got some tough games coming
2: up I still don't think we'll go down I still maintain what I've always said from the start there's teams worse than us to get that will go down ahead of us and I still think we'll get enough out of the remaining games to stay up I mean I think I think we'll get battered tomorrow unfortunately I think we might be able to scrape a point possibly although I'm not overly confident on Sunday but then the three games after that Brentford okay they're doing well They are a hard team away from home. We Mm. did beat them in the cup away from home, although that obviously wasn't exactly like for like because of um, both teams being at different stages of the season and having made a lot of changes for that game. Leeds now are a, a slightly different quantity now. They've just appointed um, Allardyce as manager. so that's is, that, a is it one.
1: done? Is it a done
2: yeah, deal? Yeah, I think so, pretty see, much. See, that worries me a little bit. I've mm. got to be honest. Yeah, and then obviously Leicester, on the last game of the season, I'd like to think by then we would have stayed up. The, the thing that's in our favour is the fact that there's five other teams, or six other teams down there that are worse than us and I think by default, almost that should keep us up. And I, I think, you know, we will pick up more points this season. We're not going to go the rest of the season, not picking up any points. I think we might pick up maybe four, possibly six points by the end of the season. Um, and that will be enough to keep us up this season. And it's, it's you know, it's not good enough. It's frustrating. It's really um, worrying. Things came down to this. Um, But as I always maintain, I did think Moyes would have enough to keep us up and I still stick by that. That's not saying that he's done a great job um in necessarily in the league, but it is saying that I think we were still right to stick with him and he will keep us up. And then there's obviously got to be a massive re-evaluation um, in the summer. Obviously, that would depend on whether, what happens to the Conference League as well, but the evaluation in the summer as to whether... He does go. On, and if he does go, what manager we appoint thereafter?
1: Mm. Well, we're now four points from the relegation zone with our next two games coming against Man City and Man United, respectively. And if we lose those games, we then go to Brentford, like you say. I, I think I think that's a really tough game, a really, really tough game. I don't think we're going to win there, if I'm honest. And I don't want to be you know, overly negative, Nancy. But you look at potentially losing those three games... And then we've got Leeds at home, who will now be under Sam Allardyce. That makes me nervous. Um, and then it's Leicester away. And I don't think that's going to be easy. They, they could have it all to play for as well. So I'll be honest, I am worried. I do like to think that we will have enough to stay up. But this is this is too close to comfort for me. I don't like this running. I've got to be honest. And the majority of which could be without Kurt Zuma as well. And obviously, I don't want to piss on your cornflakes because no doubt that will come in your section but that mm. couldn't have come at a worse time um,
2: no you're right it couldn't have um, I, I don't think it's uh, yeah it's not great timing for his injury at all it's a big loss and you know I, I do believe the, the fact that we've not been able to have a stable centre-back partnership consistently for the season um, is part of the problem the fact that you know Guerd was injured for the for large part of the first part up until the World Cup and then Zuma's been injured after that and I don't think that's that's been ideal for our situation the only thing that you've got that is in our favor really when you look at the the sort of fixtures coming up is that you know um, man leads are away at man city next weekend so obviously Allardyce have to have a major impact if he does come in by then to stop Man City winning who are obviously still going um, for the title at that point uh, Leicester away at Fulham you know it's not the easiest of games not the hardest of games either but Fulham a bit unpredictable at the moment so you know if we all Leicester get a result at Fulham that's debatable Everton are away at Brighton you know Brighton just battered um, Wolves 6-0 and, a, mm. and they've got three games in hand and trying to get are so you'd like to think Brighton would beat them. Nottingham Forest versus Southampton. Now you, you obviously now you would want Southampton to win that because I yeah. think Southampton can't catch us. And you know Southampton could. They, they on their day they are they are able to turn in performances. And Nottingham Forest aren't that great. I mean I would suspect Nottingham Forest would win that, but it's not a given. And then after that, Leeds have got Newcastle so you've got Man City and Newcastle next you know big games Newcastle look like they've secured Champions League football for next season but obviously they'll want to finish um as high up the table as they can um, and then you've got you know who else is remaining Everton have got Man City so again you know Everton have got um, a tough game there uh, Leicester have got Liverpool um. So when you go through the fixtures, and I know it this shouldn't be how we're we're doing things. you no, know? Yes, like, I know it shouldn't be, but it, it, you know, Leicester have got Newcastle after that. You know, it's looking at the fixtures and who the other teams have got to play. And the fact that we played two of them ourselves is completely in our hands. We've got we've effectively got a five point buffer in some ways because obviously our goal difference is better than, than the other teams significantly as well. Aside from Leicester, but I think from everyone else it's much better. Um so I think we should have enough to get over. It's not it's not like you know, you've got some you've got some people on some big accounts on social media that have gone from being absolute scaremonger, oh we're getting renegated to being overly cocky about staying up now i think it's much tighter than they're giving it credit but i do still believe we'll we'll stay up definitely do you well, think not definitely domest- not definitely sorry well, i do believe we'll stay up <laughs> take the definitely off it
1: do you think our domestic season could have a negative impact on the conference league semi-final
2: <sighs> it's a tricky one yeah i think so possibly you know if we'd um if we'd been um done and dusted by now. You know, if if we were in, say, Crystal Palace's position, you know, if we'd won that Crystal Palace game, you'd like to think you could rotate a bit for the remaining league games and put your strongest side out in Europe now with that being a priority. But until we're mathematically... Um, or certainly cl- as close to being mathematically safe as possible, then you can't, and that's a problem. That's a problem. He's not going to be able to rotate as much as he should have if we are clear, uh, clear at home and dry by now. Um, so yeah, I think he, I think he's going to have to just hope that he can continue to play a full-strength team for the, for for both the league and and the Premier League. I mean, that said, this Wednesday against Manchester City, a game that I hate. The idea of never putting your full strength team out because it just seems you should always go to every game looking to win. Mm. If you're going to make a sacrifice for any game, you're likely to get battered against Man City regardless of what team you put out. So I actually think against Man City tomorrow, I I would heavily rotate, but I would rotate giving it as much as possible to give us a chance to win. But rotate with an eye on the Man United fixture being the more winnable one.
1: Well, I totally agree with every aspect of what you just said there, including the fact that you never want to go into a game not trying to win it. I mean, it's, you know, sacrilege, really, when you're talking about Mm. Premier League football. And it's also not fair to the fans that have travelled all that way to try and see West Ham win a game. However, because of the outrageous position that we shouldn't be in, but we are, we really have to start thinking about this. Because you're right, we could put a full-strength team out tomorrow and we get fucking battered. So, why not just try and be a bit strategic with it and rest as many players as possible to give us more of a fighting chance in a game that I think we've got more chance of getting something from, which is Man United at home? Mm. So, I'll, I'll, I'll make you right there. And, um, I don't know, it just seems to be a stressful situation again after what wasn't a
2: terrible few weeks um, uh, before last I mean it does it does feel awful saying going because anything can happen in the Premier League and you never know. If we set out to attack Manchester City, we might surprise them. But I think you have to be strategic, particularly with Europe if there was no Europe left, I'd be sad saying no you're gonna put a full strip team out for every single game now. Yeah. But we yeah. but with but with Europe adding at least two more games hopefully hopefully three then um then you then you have to think about this and out of all the fixtures man city is the one we're least likely to get a result in i think harlan is so much of a machine he's almost impossible to stop manchester city are going for the league so it's not like their eyes going to be elsewhere they're going to be fully focused on winning that game because they'll want to get that wrapped up before you know they've um they've obviously got the uh champions league and the um fa cup still to play um so they um they're gonna want to get the league wrapped up by um um by as early as possible and the way Arsenal are playing they could get it wrapped up much quicker than they probably anticipated so um they're probably gonna um they're probably gonna look to win this game and then maybe rotate against future opponents, which is a worry for us, because obviously as I outlined earlier, a number of their future opponents are, teams that we need them to beat so it's it's really not a uh, not a good situation and yeah the the, every aspect of the club needs to take stock in the summer and, and have a long hard think about what actually caused this um and then we need to make sure that next season whatever those factors are that have been um pinpointed they need to be massively addressed I, I do think playing in europe is a big factor in this it's not it's not uncommon for teams or it's very common in fact for teams that have been playing in the conference league or the Europa League to struggle in the league as a result particularly smaller clubs but that said our squad should have been had, should have had enough including the under 21s and under 18s to cope better with, with both with both things, and it's not like we went to the finals of the League Cup or the FA Cup either, so yeah, we've got to take stock in the summer and, and make some big decisions.
1: I mean, I'm not doubting that it does have an impact, and you're right, certain teams have struggled with um, juggling both competitions and playing games so close to each other, but we didn't have this problem last season, did we? So I what what... what why is it such a gulf between our domestic campaign this season compared to last we, season when we, we got to a semi final in both competitions?
2: Well we entered the competition later this um last season. You know, this season we had to play we were playing Vyborg um in um the qualifier before we even then did so we even did the leaks. We had two fixtures at the start of it. Um and then uh we obviously um Yeah, I mean, it's it's not a massive difference, but it's two seasons in a row of doing that, and you have the World Cup thrown in the middle as well. So the likes of, you know, Aguered, who got to the semi-final. I know he'd missed most of the season, but Kera, Paketa, Rice, um, Lariola, although he didn't exactly play. Um, And a lot of teams
1: would have had players off to the World Cup as well, wouldn't they?
2: Yeah, but not not necessarily the ones... Um, that we played in the Conference League. Um, they wouldn't have, so they would have been putting fully fit squads out against you know, styles that could have done with a rest, possibly. But, you know, it's, it's hard, you, you can never, with things like this, you can never. You can never say for definitive what 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 is the case because it's all speculation. But I think you know if you're playing all those extra games, and as I said, the stat is something like most time I played the fourth or third most amount of games in the last three years or something. And you know it is gonna it will have an effect on fatigue, particularly now that these are first class, highly toned athletes you know we're not talking about back in the day in the 60s the 50s where people you know they didn't have the right nutrition they didn't do the right fitness work you know people would go out and have pints before games and a, a fry up the day the, the morning of and smoke cigarettes at half time and stuff you know the clear the clear edge in modern football now is it, 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 between a sort of a standard player and, a, and an extremely good player that has the same ability it is obviously desire but it is also fitness and nutrition and doing the right things on and off the pitch um and when you are having to ask those people to do that much more um than it would have an effect. It's like, you know, a runner or like a long distance runner if a long distance runner leaves a steady period between each race um, they're more likely to beat someone that's running every like you know twice a week or whatever it's because it would naturally wear and tear on your body it's not a complete excuse for completely justifying the season but it certainly can't be dismissed as not having had any any impact
1: (sighs) yeah I mean again I want to buy into this because I want to try and start to make some sense as to what's fucking going on at West Ham. And you know, you know, and I'm not going to repeat myself. I think David Moyes is a massive part of what's going on at West Ham negatively at the moment. But if we take that argument for a start, you know, the fact that they aren't smoking fags like they used to, drinking pints like they used to, having fripes like they used to, should actually have the opposite effect and, and allow them to play twice a week without there being any issues. Now, I know that you're playing against top class athletes that wouldn't have played a game That's more. That's the difference. Well, well, it is. But at the same time, X, these are still. I finely tuned athletes. I mean, in, in that respect, why would we Why would we have won any games this season against teams that haven't played uh, in the same week? Why did we win a lot more games last season when we were having to play twice in a week? It, it, it To me, it doesn't make sense, all because of a couple of games that we played at the beginning of the season and a World Cup break that most teams in the Premier League probably would have suffered with. For me, I don't know that's flaky that. That's flaky. I am I'm, I'm I'm not sure. But going back to the palace game, the big talking point was the penalty against us. I mean, you alluded to it yourself, X. That was a definition of soft, wasn't it?
2: Oh, yeah, it was ridiculous. And the fact that this one was actually looked at VAR and given, I mean, you 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 basically cannot have any physical contact now in in the area without without VAR or the ref or whoever justify it as a penalty. And it's a it's a physical game. You know, when you're dribbling into the area um, at pace, you know, weaving, ducking and diving with your body, and you're going against a defender that's almost running backwards in some ways to... To, to shadow your run, there is going to be contacts, the definition surely has to be whether that contact was significant enough to either put you Ooh. off your stride or stop Ooh. you being able to take the chance as well as you would have been had there not been contacts when you look at the contact from Gued and that guy is so minimal, um, from Eze, I think it was, is so minimal that it, in my opinion shouldn't have been a penalty, but then that said, by the definition of a penalty, there was contact, albeit very minimal. So maybe you say it is a penalty. And, and as I said earlier, they did literally score a second after that penalty. So maybe it'd be a go anyway, but I just, just sick and tired of like how the football that we watch now is so governed by VAR you can never celebrate a goal entirely until you know the center has been taken by the opposition you never know exactly what's going to happen with VAR the rules the, the decisions seem to be just as inconsistent um, now than they've ever been and that's because they've still got a human ultimately using the machine so you can have as much technology as you as you want it's still ultimately a human that's making that decision and then they're ultimately affected by things that shouldn't come into it like the team that they're playing against as in when we were playing Liverpool or the the atmosphere or the moment or the pressure from the players and things like that and it's got to the point now where um every week there's something, every week, in every game you watch, there's some controversial decision. It doesn't seem to have changed that much since we had VAR, so for the benefit of the flow of the game, I think I'd rather just get rid of VAR and have human error under refs the mm. back rather than, right, there might be slightly more correct decisions now, but it's certainly not as enjoyable. I mean, look at that goal. Was it Southampton scored against Bournemouth in the week. It was offside by the letter of the law, but it was literally the, it was literally a big toe offside, and that doesn't make a difference as to whether someone's gonna score a goal or not. You know, that, like, and, and it just it just seems so stupid.
1: Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is plush care.
0: Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
1: no, oh. oh, it does. I'd get rid of it in a heartbeat if I could. I really would. I, I can't stand what it's done to football. And sticking with refereeing decisions... Another one cost us, didn't it? Against Liverpool when mm. the ball seemed to hit Thiago's arm, not once, but twice in the same incident. Yeah. How, in your opinion, is that not a penalty?
2: I don't know I don't know to me it is a penalty you know there's people saying it wasn't you know he he was falling but he was falling because he lunged in you know um, and you know people say like all these there's all these clauses to why it wasn't a handball but if in my eyes if you've stopped if a a handball by the mere title by the name of the rule handball it means that your hand has touched the ball and the ball or or your arm and, and and it has clearly touched it twice and stopped the ball going through to Danny Ings so not only has he touched it twice it 's actually almost defended the opportunity with his arm and it's not been given and, and you know full well if that had been at Anfield and the other way round then they would have got that penalty and you know it's just you you, you see this you know I don't want to say like a bitter West Ham fan but you see it when it's like other clubs against big clubs you know I think it was only one week or two ago and Brighton were playing at Tottenham and Brighton had about three or four decisions go against them that shouldn't have and um, it just seems to be continuous and you know one day maybe this technology will enable us to have an almost perfect ref but at the moment it's far 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 from. I went,
1: mm, yeah, I mean, in terms of where I sit with it, I, I think I think the rules in football now are so fucking massively overcomplicated when it could just be a simple black and white rule in football. Now, whether that's offside, whether it's handball, you know, you you name it, it seems like these fucking busybodies have all sat around a table and and just overcomplicated the sport. And with the introduction of VAR involved now, I think they've also killed the sport to a degree. and So I I looked at it and I sort of made Joe Cole right, really. He said, if we're talking football, it's a penalty because it's clearly hit his arm and it's obstructed the ball going to uh, another player that could have had a goal-scoring opportunity. But by the letter of the law, I'm not sure. And that's where I'm kind of with it. For me, you know, if we're talking about the purity of football, it's a penalty. It's Stonewall. But in terms of the letter of the law... It was a short distance. Was his arm in an unnatural position? If I was to recreate it now and, and going for a tackle, could I have put my arm in a different place to where Tiago put it? Did he deliberately shield the ball? So there is that argument. But then do you know what was interesting? I text Mad Dog on the back of it. And he obviously works with a, a number of referees and he works with the teams at VAR. And uh, he said he it, it was a penalty. So I'm interested to find out more from him as to if why, by the letter of the law... It should have been disallowed, unless I've misunderstood the rule. Why, in his opinion, that is a penalty? Um, I don't know, but it's just, you know what, we spend too long questioning the rules of the sport these days whatever happened to like you know the 80s and 90s and even further back than that when the game was just so simple and tackles could be made it was a contact sport and you know goals you could celebrate instantly if it hit the back of the net you know it's just oh, mate, I know, it's this, sad really
2: it is and, and I make you right on what you said there and, and the stupid thing is that the football was meant to be a game for the people a game for the for the working class um yeah the game was more complicated than the likes of chess now you know you, you you yeah. just don't you don't under, I don't understand half the rules anymore because the handball so so got so many clauses to it offside's got so many different sub rules um, you know intentional fouls things like that it, um, you know I couldn't tell you um, you know what what the rules are on obstruction now because defenders be, seem to be able to you know pretty much use their whole body even like a meter away from the ball to stop the attacker being able to get it when they're shepherding the ball out for a goal kick or whatever, but, you know. Surely, in some ways, that's obstruction, the six-second rule with goalkeepers—does that still exist anymore? Um, and if it does, have has anyone ever seen that enforced <laughs> at any point? You know, mm. and um, and I think I think the game has just got so ridiculously unnecessarily complicated you know you you don't need all these complications so a game that's meant to flow the beauty of football over the likes of cricket and rugby and NFL and all these other sports is that it flows it flows quickly it's not stop start which is why it's the most popular game in the world Um, but these these all these different rules and stuff are stopping it being that now and I think a lot of the enjoyment has been taken out by Overcomplicating things there's no need to do it the game works perfectly and had worked perfectly for hundreds of years you know Um, and and why do we feel the need to to change it to the point now where ex-pros even managers in a multi-billion business that's governed by these rules don't know the rules that they're working to Mm -hmm. I know it's incredible mate absolutely Mm. incredible
1: and I want to jump back to Crystal Palace and ask you a straightforward question is Crystal Palace the biggest shit hole in the Premier League? Because oh, for me, it's, gosh, it's yeah. a shit stadium, shit plastic fans, shit area, and shit to get to. Yeah, you know, I hate Palace. I wish they'd yeah. go down. They won't, obviously, but I wish they would. Fucking yeah. two, Bob, aren't they?
2: Yeah, I don't like Palace at all either. I mean, my mouth See, back, I'm going to be honest, back in the sort of late 80s, early 90s when they beat Liverpool 4-3 in that FA Cup semi-final, if you remember and they, I think Alan Pardew might have scored the winner yeah. and they got to play Man United in the final. I quite liked Palace. I liked their kit and Ian Wright, Mark Bright, which I thought was quite funny to have two forwards that were that good with very similar names. And I quite liked Palace. And as I got to go to their ground, and then they beat us in the playoff final and I saw their on Twitter and social media become really, really muggy. I can't stand it either. I hate... When I'm in my seat, as long as my seat is within the first 20 rows at Palace, because if you're any rows behind that, you can't see... F, F all um, so, no. so as you've got a decent seat at Palace I quite like it in terms of you because you're quite near the pitch but everything else around that is absolutely shocking and you know that you have to if you're at one end of the stadium like we were the other end and you, you can only go in at the other end it takes you about 20 minutes to walk through the concourse to get to get to the people isn't it? you can't buy food or drink for love or money although I don't know if you were sober enough to remember what I bought there um, so so I think it's probably a good thing. I uh, we rename it the Badger Burger. It was, um, yeah, actually, I do remember that do actually. Do you remember it? Yeah, yeah. It was the most. Now, if we'd done a, bur- a review on that, <laughs> I actually think it'd have been obviously they would have come rock bottom, <laughs> but I think it'd have been hilarious because I've never seen anything like it. I bought a burger, like it says, beef burger on the board, you know, your standard price about four pound fifty, five quid or whatever. I bought it and it was given to me in tin foil, which is a bit of a, an alarming thing to start with. Cause you think, how long has it been sitting there in that tin foil for? I opened it and it was no bigger than like, you know, those sort of small sandwich rolls you might get from like Sainsbury's tiny little roll. It, the burger. God knows what that was made out of. I really don't think it was made out of cow, honestly. I called it <laughs> I called it a badger burger because God knows what meat was in it. I've never tasted the meat. It had all little red bits inside it which were not like little chilies and stuff. They were probably intestine or something left over. Oh it, god. And, and the bun had no sauce, no onions, nothing. It was the worst thing I've ever eaten at a football. It would have smashed um, the Larnaca burger way out of the park in terms of the worst thing ever wow. eaten at football. It was diabolical. So when you throw that into the mix, plus we had an episode of Walking Walker, then um, it was it was a, it was not not an enjoyable away day. But to no. be fair, Walking Walker at the start of the game wasn't technically your fault, but Walking Walker technically my
1: fault it wasn't my fault at all and before you tell this story I want to put a caveat to this fucking your version of events here so me and X are in and around Sellers Park and we've queued up like everyone else and we've both got our paper tickets Um and he's gone through the turnstile his ticket's not a problem I've gone through and it's flashing up red I can't get in right now X has decided to fuck me right off and just carry on going i couldn't into get stadium. back
2: out. i've already <laughs> gone through the turnstile stuff and i and i argued with the guy mate you've got to let him through i argued him three times and i said well i need to go up to my mate he said you can't you're already in so i had no option there that's not fair right, okay. well, well, that, that,
1: that, that's your case for the defense but you know <laughs> uh, but this then still puts me in the shit because i'm now having to walk around these fucking seas of Crystal Palace fans. And again, this is another thing shit about Crystal Palace. Who lets their fucking ticketing system go down, causing a delay to the game? I mean, everything about that place is just absolutely shit. And and I'm wandering around outside, and I'm going to the steward, like, where do I go now then? What, what do I do now? So he said, you've got to go to the box office to exchange a ticket. I said, well, where's that? And I, honestly, to this day, I think they were winding me up, these stewards, because as soon as they saw my ticket and saw I was not away fan... Fucking hell, they're throwing me from pill at the post. So I've I've gone up this street, fighting my way for all these fucking Palace fans that are everywhere. It was a sea of thousands of them out there and got to where I thought he told me the box office was. Then um, another steward said, no, no, you want to go back that way, mate? So I said, I've just fucking been there. He said, you must have missed it. It's one of the windows on the left. So I've gone back there, no box office. I said, mate, where am I going for this box office? So he said, oh, you want to go at the end of the road there? You want to turn right, take the second fucking left? I said, you're taking the piss, aren't you? I said, there's no way. He said, no, it is." So I went there, no box office. In the end, I've come back to the steward where he's in front of a a big gate and there's all West Ham fans behind it in the concourse. And I just said, mate, look, do me a favour. I'm, I'm getting the piss taken out of me here. I fucking walked around half, half of South London trying to find this non-existent fucking box office. I said, just do me a favour and let me in. And to his credit, he did. So I was in there. Um But, it, it, you know, it was it was carnage and it was carnage after the game. I mean, some fan clumped a fucking horse, didn't they? Yeah. Um, that you might have heard about. Well, I, mean, apparently, I think the horse clumped him, to be fair. Well, apparently they all started it, but I'm not so sure. <laughs> yeah. um, and then I think... The, the one that you are talking about now (laughs) is that another horse, clipped the heels of a West oh, right, End yeah. down like a sack of shit. And yeah. uh, again, another decision that didn't go to VAR. For I me, mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. um, but, but then it was just pure aggro getting home, wasn't it? It's just a shit
2: away though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, you, you've put a good defence up for walking, walking a first. I'll let that one go. <laughs> but walk, walking, walking a second, returning after the second half of the 81st minute. <laughs> 81st minute. You, t- I, I text you and I said, mate, are you OK? you're yeah, just coming back to the scene. I said, mate, you might as well not bother. Just stay where you are, and I'll meet you at the end of the game. You come back. You are like what's the score, mate? I'm like four three. Like four three. What's happened? And I'm like, oh, oh mate, you hell. Yeah, exactly. So, and I swear, it's patrons that know about Walking Walker, so they encourage you and they try and see how long they can keep you away from the actual game.
1: Yeah, it is true because I did get talking to so many people down there and just having a, a beer with them all really, and it did a bit of a delay granted and, and walking drunk walker doesn't have the best concepts of time to be no. fair to you.
2: And we just so, yeah. Well I thought it
1: was the 81st minute I thought fuck me I thought we'd, I thought it was a 47th
2: minute <laughs> time, and we, and we discussed tactics about how you were going to get back quicker because it's happening far too frequently so we discussed tactics that you're going to go hello mate yeah you're alright good to see you mate how's things yeah they're, they're alright mate thanks you're good yeah I'm good mate well right, I'm just going to head off so I'm going to get back to the game now We're towards, I can't we're do towards it though you know like, no, All right. You can't. You just stop and talk. You know, so how how's your mum? Yeah, yeah, she's fine. So so what about how how's her mum? Well, she died ten years ago. Oh no, really? What is that? And I'm just like, mate, please. The game's going on. You know, that's why that's why we're at Selhurst Park, not oh. to find out about someone's ancestors and to, 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 to watch the, to watch the football. I think
1: you put a little bit of a twist on the discussion points during these uh, walking sessions. To be fair, but. Um... Yeah. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I, I mean, so, I mean you, you you are currently looking into the idea of um, installing a tracking app on my phone. Right?
2: I am, mate, I think it's actually needed, Parti- particularly in Europe. Like, at least in Selhurst Park, there's only a certain area you can go. Like, <laughs> I, knew, I knew that at worst, you were going to be at the other end of, the, of that one stand unless you decided to go out of the exit. But I don't think even you've done that yet mid-game. Um, so, <laughs> so, but, uh, but I but like when in Europe, when we're on an away day, and, and that is, we got out of the stadium, and there's fans flock um, piling around everywhere, then um, then I think that tracking device is gonna be needed. The ultimate device I want really, it's a bit like, you know, to learn a learner car, when you when you learn to drive, you have your pedals, and then the instructor has their pedals, and the instructor's pedals override the pedals of yeah. the driver. What I would ideally like is a way that I could control your legs and arms myself. So I'd give you some freedom and let you walk around and, yeah, and do yeah. your thing. but when I needed you to come back, I'd just get the remote control and walk you back to, to where you needed to be and then yeah, and, right. and I could do a wave then I could do a wave and you go and you go, Yeah all right mate, and then you just walk, Yeah, you're right mate, and then just walk, not stand for fifteen minutes of everyone. Yeah.
1: even <laughs> even that or create a sort of robot clone of me. So I yes, can the robot yes. clone can walk around the concourse and it has some sort of pre programmed <laughs> yeah. conversations. So people think it's actually me,
2: and then I'll just wear a disguise and sit next to you in your seat. And to be honest, it's the state you're in. The pro, the robot will probably talk more sense than would imagine. Yeah, they'll probably say, so fucking <laughs> hell no, you, yeah. you seem sober today. Yeah, he seems sober and a bit more on the ball and slightly, <laughs> yeah. slightly yeah. more articulate. You a lot of sense today. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. 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 That's a really good points for a change.
1: But do you know what? It's funny, you know, because I, I made the analogy and, and I, I'm actually going to give people listening to this show a bit of a gift because I didn't know this, right? But it made me think, I think I even I even said this to you in terms of an analogy on away days, but I accidentally discovered, and I don't know if I'm stating the obvious, I didn't know this, that on the front of a Skybox, I've got Sky Q on the front of a Skybox, um, you can press a button on the front of that. And if you hold it for about three seconds, it triggers a, a mini alarm in your remote. Now in my house that has become a godsend because we are always losing the Sky remote. It, it's it's honestly I, I cannot tell you how much it does my head in, but since I've discovered this. The, the Sky Remote beeps and then it'll be behind the sofa or it'll be under the sofa or it'll be out in the kitchen for some reason. So I've I've never lost a Sky Remote since I found this feature. And the analogy that I put to you was that would be handy, wouldn't it, if I had some sort of device on me and you can press a button on your phone and then it sounds this alarm to show you where I am. And I'm
2: easily trackable then, aren't I? Well, I'm, I did I did actually put this to patrons. and A few of them did show me a link to an Apple product that does actually do that. And it's like it's like a little button. and you just slip it into (laughs) your pocket... And it will actually come up on my iPhone exactly where you are. And it gives you precise instructions. Like, turn right, look, look 90 degrees. And, um, I think, I think it's the only way forward now. And my, you know, like, I like, taking my three children out who are 11, nine and four is a lot, is a lot easier than taking one 39 year old walker out. <laughs> it's just like, it's, I don't know, honestly, I say a lot easier. It's is seriously easier. Oh God, it's so funny. Um, <laughs> well, well, one positive is that
1: it was incredibly deck to see Big Tom back on the score sheet, right? And and that takes me. To this morning, because I'm watching Sky Sports, and it showed players that have made the most amount of interceptions in the Premier League this season. Deck was number one with 58, Decore of Palace was second with 52, Idrissa Gay of Everton was third with 51, and in fourth place with 48 is Thomas Incredible Dek Suchek. And I had to double take I mean, I know it wasn't his finest hour when he gave the goal away at Palace, but in terms of interceptions, is that news to you? And, and if so, you know, is there hope for the big fella to keep a place in that midfield? Are we overlooking certain qualities that just don't get spoken about?
2: Um, I think Sucic has played better for the last month, maybe now, or certainly three or four games. Um, obviously, he scored against Palace, which is what we all want him to do, and hopefully he'll kick on from that. It was a... That wasn't the hardest to finish this, but it was a decent finish. Um, he was obviously massively at fault for the goals that kind of, um, um did it a little bit. But it, what I find hard to, to, to understand about that statistic is that you're. You know, the statistic is coming out regularly of how little he's touching the ball. Now, I think we talked about a couple of weeks ago, four touches in one half. So how is he actually intercepting the ball without touching it? That's that's the question I have there. Well, so he's he across
1: the season though, X, apparently.
2: Yeah, so maybe, yeah, I mean, maybe at the start of the season he was more effective than he's been now. I'd be interested to see when most of those interceptions occurred. I do think he does offer more off the ball than perhaps is considered by myself and others probably. Um, But for me, I still maintain if you're a top class central midfielder, which he's meant to be, he's a Hammer of the Year, he's a Czech international, he's a regular in the Premier League, that you intercept the ball. You know, you're saying he's fourth in the table. Is that including the top six, by the way? Or is that outside the top six? Just often these graphics are outside the top six. Uh,
1: It's a good question. Um, I mean, I'm assuming... Because you didn't
2: mention any player in the top six there. No, do
1: you know what? I I didn't. I didn't. But then... So so the answer is I don't know. The short answer is I, I don't know. However... I mean, would teams in the top six necessarily make more interceptions because they would have the majority of the possession, wouldn't they? Yeah, true,
2: true. But often these—I don't know. I I, I think
1: it includes everyone, but I don't
2: know. Okay, because often these graphics are outside the top six, whatever. But either way, if he if he does make those interceptions, then that's great. And um, but I just I just still feel that other players, maybe like Flynn Downs for example, or maybe even Lanzini, would be more effective in that midfield role. Now, I think he's played better this last month, so I'm not going to go too harsh on him. And I think for the remainder of the season, I would still play him if this form that he's currently on can continue. Um, But I do think he's, I just think for a Premier League team like us, um, we can have a more um, influential player in there than we have back yeah. <laughs> 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 I, like I talk to him every day every week on <laughs> the podcast so I've got, I've got, I've gotten close to him. I want him to do well and like and like I, like I said, I I do think he probably does do more than that sometimes I've given them credit for, but I just I just think I do just think it doesn't do enough for me. I'm sorry, I can't get that out of my head.
1: Well, failing a miracle, we're off to get absolutely fucking battered at the Etihad tomorrow night. So for what it's worth, let's find out a little bit more about The Citizens. The club was founded in 1880 as St Mark's, then Ardwigs Association FC in 1887 before changing to Manchester City in 1894. Manchester City had the nickname the Citizens, which is simply an adaptation of their city name. However, it does imply that Manchester City fans are the real citizens of Manchester, which is a bit of a pop United. They're also known as the Sky Blues club's out from his blue moon, which was adopted during a difficult time for the club when they would only win once in a blue moon. The song has stuck ever since. Since its inception, the club has won eight league titles, six FA Cups, eight League Cups, six FA Community Shields and one European Cup Winners' Cup. Manchester City hold the record for the highest home attendance by an English club, City packed 84,569 fans at the main road for their game against Stoke City in 1934. In 1938 City became the only club to ever be relegated in England with a positive goal difference as they ended the campaign with 80 goals scored and 77 conceded. The idea of a red and black away strip was introduced by Malcolm Allison in the 60s who was inspired by AC Milan. Famous fans include Liam and Noel Gallagher, Ricky Hatton, Alan Carr, Lee Dixon and Rick Wakeman.